Yeah, I heard that at practice, VZ. He said, my back is killing me. I said, oh, no, what did you do while you were lifting? He said, no, I was coughing, and I heard it. It's it's only funny because in high school, I slipped a d- disc in my backside. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Listen, whoa, man, whoa, 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 no, 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 Dustin, put the camera, no, whoa, 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 what did you just say? <laughs> disc, disc, no, D-I-S-C, no. disc, no, <laughs> I, no, no, Ooh. Dustin, uh, the camera need... preview. Yep. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spirit, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here on a fantastic and beautiful 3-0 Wednesday evening here in Tallahassee. Florida State took down the Louisville Cardinals up there on the road and a thrilling victory. Kevin Knowles coming away with the interception to seal off the game. And Florida State is heading into Doe Campbell Stadium at an 8 8- p.m. kickoff against Boston College undefeated to start the season with a chance to stay undefeated going into October. Gentlemen, wow, 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 wow. We should be in more better high spirits than we are right now, but we'll get into a groove here. With me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoGameDay.com, and Austin Vizzi, our lead basketball writer at NoGameDay.com. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How's the undefeated feel to you, VZ, because we didn't get to hear your reaction after the game. But how how does it really feel to be undefeated right now? It's uh, definitely not what any of us expected. I would think um, both. I think both Dustin and myself had us at one and two at this point before the season. Yep. Um, so you got to be at the very least pleasantly surprised, um, even if we've taken our bumps and bruises along the game, especially in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, it's. It, definitely a good feeling we haven't felt this since 2015 and it definitely feels like it's been since 2015 <laughs> yeah things are on the right path you know you're 3-0 and through a quarter of the season and now you're entering a really important stretch here starting with Boston College you have three of the next four games at home and this could very well decide uh the conference if not you know the Atlantic division so Florida State obviously this weekend Boston College next weekend Wake Forest, then you travel to North Carolina State, then you play Clemson. So we're going to learn a lot about this team over the next four weeks. Yeah, we sure are. That is going to be a fun stretch to cover, but not so fun for that football team because there are some important games coming up. Luckily, Florida State, after having a pretty physical game and guys going down with injuries, which we'll talk about here later in the show, this is a nice game where you can maybe put in some twos uh, pretty early in this game. We'll see some uh, in the starting unit this upcoming weekend. But, you know, there's some guys that got banged up in that Louisville game. And 
We'll talk some practice notes before we go into the rest of the podcast. Appreciate everybody already hopping on live. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. It will go out to more FSU fans to get them in the chat. Off of. Also, if you're on Facebook, hit the share button. Get out there to all your Florida State friends. You can listen to the podcast later on audio version to Google Play, Spotify, also iTunes. It gets shared everywhere through there. So appreciate everybody coming on live and also listening to us on the podcast version. Hope everybody's having a great week. Let's start jumping into things, guys. This team is undefeated. Uh, you know, VZ, I know we, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, what, what was your takeaways from that game? Because you saw a lot of guys go down. You saw Jordan Travis go down, and that was one of the scariest things that I think Florida State fans, when they saw him hitting that field, you knew it was going to be pretty bad. Man, you know, and then you throw in Tate Rodemaker. What, what was your thoughts with J. Trav going down and then what Tate Rodemaker was able to do on the field? I mean, first it starts with Jared Verse going down. That happens, and I'm like, okay, at least they have a little bit of depth there. Then Travis goes down, and I'm like, damn, this is about to be ugly. I started getting the photoshops ready of the picture we took before the LSU game, and I was I was ready to start trolling. Um, but you know, Tate Rodmaker made some impressive throws. I mean, the 69 yarder to Johnny Wilson, basically in his own end zone, was an impressive throw. Uh, uh, you really can't beat around the bush on that. Um, and the guy stepped up and won. You know. We've seen this team find ways to lose games the past couple of years. They find a way to win one in a, in a tough environment at Louisville on a Friday night. I was impressed. I was really, really impressed that they found a way to just dig down deep and get out of there with the win and hopefully get some rest going into Boston College. Yeah, considering the circumstances, you know, that that's one of the biggest wins that Mike Norvell has ever had at Florida State. You know, your starting quarterback goes down, your star defender – who has been instrumental in that pass rush goes down. You're already without Fabian Lovett on that defensive line going to halftime trailing 21 to 14. And then, you know, Louisville performed really well in offense in that first half. I know we talked about it on Friday night. I think they had 290 yards of offense in the first half. And then Florida State comes out in the second half and outscores them 21 to 10. Like you said, Austin Rodemaker made a couple great throws. Johnny Wilson made a couple fantastic catches the defense made a few stops late with Kevin Knowles ending it and I mean it's just a heck of a victory for Florida State when you consider what it took you know with so many guys going down you have Robert Scott go down Malcolm Ray gets banged up a very valiant effort from a beat-up Seminoles team and I I think we found in that second half it was a little bit different for me watching the game because I was at a NASCAR race I didn't have the best coverage so I could only watch certain plays but it felt early that they didn't want to run the ball as much as they should have. And then in the second half, Norvell's like, okay, let's get Trey Sean with the ball. Let's get Tofield with the ball. Let's get Trey Benson the ball. And they were phenomenal. I mean, especially Benson and Ward, who Benson averaged seven yards a carry. Ward averaged 12 yards a carry. They need to get those guys the ball a lot. Especially this week, if Travis doesn't play, those guys have to get the ball. Rodemaker only completed six passes. And, you know, credit to him. You know, I didn't think he was going to complete even two passes. But... <laughs> I think Florida State found what they needed to do. I'm surprised it took them so long to get to the running game, but once they did, I think the offense looked a lot more fluid, a lot more efficient. And I think that maybe kind of played into the game plan because Louisville knew they had to stop the run against Florida State. And you look out, you look at how they came out on that opening drive play action to find a wide-open Cam McDonald. They get down to the three-yard line play action, wide-open um, Preston Daniel for his first career touchdown. So Florida State was taking advantage of Louisville cheating up, putting multiple defenders 
in the box. And I mean, they won out on a lot of those scenarios, but I do agree if Jordan Travis is unable to play this weekend because of the injury he suffered against Louisville, the, uh, the game plan is certainly going to change a little bit so that they can, you know, put Rodemaker in a position for success. He might not be able to run the exact same offense that Jordan Travis is able to do, but there's still some things that he's able to do well. And we saw that on Friday night in the second half. It was, it was, it was definitely impressive seeing him to do that on the road. And I feel like that's something that we've always seen the physical attributes. Like coach Norvell said, he's one of the most athletic players on the team, but it's always been to me a mental game for him mm-hmm. and getting out there and scraping that all away and breaking that ice might have been the big turning curve for Rodemaker. He's been in this system for long. And that's what coach Atkins said. He's been here for this many amount of years and he should know this system very well. Like this should be comfortable for him to try it out, but for him to do that on the road, it's not as easy for any kind of quarterback going out there, a starting quarterback to go out there and perform the way that he did coming back and getting Florida state down the field and scoring and giving them the lead. I uh, like, like VZ said, that was a great throw going to Johnny Wilson. This seems like those two connect very well. Those two tall guys. And that was a nice throw to uh, Johnny Wilson too up above. And then you also had some, uh, a big time catch from Leak McLean. I think we're overlooking that, but wow, what a, what a gorgeous catch. And then coming down, dragging those feet in, coming backwards, you know, that, that's something we, we've seen from Malik McLean last year. And, you know, him being able to do that on the road was a nice, nice touch, you know, going to the negative parts. It almost looked like, Florida State's defense wasn't there to play for a majority of that game. And that's something that I hope doesn't continue. We don't have to have a big conversation about that in a couple of weeks, which might end up hurting them. But Florida State's got to find a fix there. And I understand Malik Cunningham, he, he can be a threat ab- absolutely with his legs. And there was multiple times where you had Kalen Deloach almost come away with it just, you know, just an inch further. He comes away and tackles Malik Cunningham. But, man, I didn't look like there was any kind of defense out there under Adam Fuller on Friday night, and that was worrisome to me because, man, Florida State had to get down there and score or it was just going to be a shootout. And I don't know, that that defense and the interior defensive line was a complete um, disappointment to me, I got to say. that I was expecting more out of Jared Jackson. I was completely wrong on that. I don't know what happened there, but it goes to show, man, Fabian Lovett, Wow, he, he carries that interior defensive line. I understand Robert Cooper's been here this many years, but and I you know he gets double teamed quite a bit, and that that's his job. Boom, you take that away, but someone on the other side's got to take advantage of the one on one. Then if you're getting it, and that was just really disappointing to see that interior defensive line get worked by Louisville's not so fantastic guards in the middle. It was a poor performance. There were some missed assignments, as Norvell said, and and Coach Fuller. There were some miscommunication uh, between defenders. And, you know, you saw it in that first half. Louisville didn't have their starting running back. They didn't have their second string running back. And they were still, along with Cunningham, just doing whatever they wanted to on the ground against Florida State. Um, Like you said, the interior defensive line was getting pushed out of the way. Even before Verse got hurt, there wasn't a ton of pressure off the edge. So, yeah, you're hoping for a better performance. You're hoping for Florida State's front seven to – bounce back against a Boston College offense that doesn't look that great on paper coming in uh, to, to Saturday night. But, yeah, there's definitely some things to fix. There were a couple coverage busts as well where um, the corner was just too far off of the receiver and it was just an easy throw, catch, first down for Cunningham to move the change. So it's a work in progress. You know, we've seen what this defense can do when it's locked in. You look at the first half, the third quarter against LSU – they dominated the Tigers defensively, but 
ever since that fourth quarter, yeah, things have looked a little shaky. And now you're going against a Boston College offense that what I have written down, number 115 total offense out of 131 teams in the FBS. This is a nice chance to bounce back for the entire defense. I also thought there was a little bit of lack of effort at times, especially with when Malik Cunningham started taking off of the ball. Um, I started to see a couple defenders, you know, give up on the play a little bit early, and that stuff matters, especially yeah. against a quarterback as dynamic as Cunningham. He's going to tear you apart, and he tore Florida State apart early. You know, a couple rushing touchdowns had the, had that one passing touchdown, finally ended his streak there on the season. He's got to see a little bit better defense. Obviously, your coaches can only do so much to put them in position. At some point, guys, it's got to show the effort to make the plays. I feel like that just went with Louisville's tempo because if you watch that game, whenever they had a positive run or a completed pass, I mean, man, they were on the ball and snapping it quickly. Uh, Some of those drives where Florida State was able to get a tackle for loss or an incompletion early, like the very first drive of the game, put Louisville out of rhythm. They're not able to do that hurry up, which I thought was one of the main things that Florida State struggled with. It's going Uh, so fast. Mm -hmm. One thing that Florida State – you know, hurt themselves in it was in the kicking unit there. You know, Ryan Fitzgerald missing those field goals puts Florida State in a tough situation. Obviously, you want to put points on the board, but then you also add on field position. Uh, Norvell talked about it in the press conference on Monday when I was there, and he said, you know, we're, we're sticking with Ryan Fitzgerald. And another reason for this is you're going to go to a walk-on kicker after that. Florida State doesn't have two field goal kickers that are on scholarship here. So that's not a type of situation where you're competing on the back end where you had Ricky Aguayo and Logan Tyler going at it. No, you've got one right now, and that's what Mike Norvell said he's going with. Uh, you know, And that's some Florida State, hopefully, with Ryan Fitzgerald. It's another mental thing with him. We've seen him do it before. It's just consistency. And, you know, these are some small kicks, man. And, and we've seen him do it before. Hopefully he can get on the, on the right path starting – uh, and Doke on Saturday because you're at home. You've done this before. You've kicked in Doke. It's a night game. The home side is on your advantage. You would like to see him get back into a groove because Florida State could have added on six more points in that game. Yeah, just, I mean, so bad right now. It makes no sense. It, it really doesn't make sense how he's playing right now. Um, he, was, he was pretty highly touted coming out of high school as far as kickers go. And he was just – he's been so disappointed this season. I, I haven't had this feeling as a Florida State fan that a kicker's just going to miss every single kick. Just I have no confidence whatsoever. I think he has the longest field goal so far this year, like 25 yards or something ridiculous like that. At some point, he's just got to step up and make the kicks. Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? Because we've seen – like you said, Logan, we've seen Fitzgerald do in the past. He was 10 of 13 last year. He hit a game winner against Syracuse, and I believe after that he only missed one field goal the rest of the season. Was perfect against Duquesne, but then comes out against LSU. Opening kickoff goes out of bounds. He comes in for the field goal attempt in the first quarter, pushes it, knocks the next kickoff out of bounds. And it just feels like he's been in a little bit of a mental rut ever since then. I don't think we can question physically what Ryan Fitzgerald can do because we've seen it. He hit a 50-something yard field goal last year. He performed in the clutch to make a game-winning field goal. He's got the ability to perform, but I feel like a lot of it when these kickers begin to struggle, it's just mental, and they begin to second-guess themselves. And, you know, Norvell on Monday, I feel like he's trying to instill some confidence in his kicker and just say, hey, you know, we know it's been tough for you the first three games of the season, but 
there's still nine left and you have a chance to turn it around and still do some really big things for Florida State before the end of the year. So we'll see if that happens. But I will say Fitzgerald in practice this week compared to last week, much better. Um, yesterday when we were out there, he was four for four in the special teams portion that where it was live action. He was kicking against the defense. And then today he was three of four with the only miss coming uh, past 40 yards. So seven of eight from what we got to see in practice this week. We'll see if it translates onto the field on Saturday night. Going to need it. You make a good point about Norvell because I've seen it as a Vikings fan, how a coach can just belittle his kicker and demean them in every way possible. Like we saw with Daniel Carlson and it really messed with his psyche. And then he gets cut, goes to a different team and he's great. So it, it is really a mental thing with these kickers and, Hopefully Norvell, uh, Norvell and Fitzgerald get it figured out because he needs it. And that's yeah. what special teams coordinator uh, John Papucha said on, on Monday as well. He said it's our job to build these kids up, not tear them down. So that's what they're trying to do with Fitz. He struggled, but they know that he can do it, and they're trying to build him back up to that point. So we'll see if it pays off for Florida State because, you know, with, with the schedule coming up for the Seminoles, there's definitely going to be some close games. It, it could very well come down to a kick at some point and, they're going to need their best will. there from that position. Yeah, there's definitely going to be game. There, oh, there always is. And there's going to be a game on this schedule this year where Florida State is going to have to rely on Ryan Fitzgerald to make a kick. And, you know, hopefully the mental is all strained up. Coach Papp said that he was immediately going into a workout once they landed back in Tallahassee very early, early in the morning. And, you know, the kid's working. And I understand talent there, the legs there. It's just all a mental thing. So, We'll see if he bounces back on Saturday. Anything else from the Louisville game, guys? Florida State won that game 35-31. to 31. I think the biggest thing for me, we talked about it, couldn't really say it live, uh, tried to keep it PG, but then the best way of saying this team grew up. I thought that was one of the most impressive wins, just for how the amount of injuries that they went through and you're losing your quarterback. I mean, we talked about it all throughout this offseason, man. If Jordan Travis goes down, what are they going to do? What, what, what's going to happen? you got a true fresh with A.J. Duffy that hasn't seen – more than a couple snaps against Duquesne. And you've got Tate Rodemaker where you look back at the last couple of seasons has just looked freaked out being out there on the football field in a game-type yep. scenario. Tate Rodemaker start off slow. He bounces back and ends up driving down the field and doing his thing and guys stepping up when they need to be. This was a really impressive win by both Coach Norvell and the players staying determined and like Coach Norvell said in that press conference, I, he loved the way that they looked in the, and during the halftime. You know, there was a sense of urgency, and that kind of, that kind of seems to be the theme of this team this, this season, urgency. And this have that kind of energy, even with your QB1, one of your biggest leaders, if not the biggest leader on the team, going down like that, to have that kind of mental state going out of the tunnel, going into the second half. It's something we haven't seen from this Florida State team in years. It just shows the culture change that Norvell has made since he got to Tallahassee, you know, two years ago, this team went to Louisville and got pounded. And I mean, you know, under Willie Taggart at the end, they weren't, they weren't able to respond to adversity over the last two years. There's been some times where they got into tough situations and then they collapsed mentally and it led to losses. And this, you know, rather than fall apart, I thought you saw the team really come together as a whole. And, you know, from the offense to the defense, Special team struggled there a little bit with the kicking situation. They came together to get that win over Louisville. And, yeah, they they grew up. That's a big win for the team mentally. It shows that they can step up and they can win when the game is on the line. I, I think that's only going to help Florida State 
moving forward. And, and they stayed they stayed disciplined. Uh, we talked about that going in the game. They only had six penalties compared to Louisville's eleven. I mean, that's a huge difference in a game like that on the road. Staying disciplined. Um, credit to the team for growing up. You know, I wish Florida State was a little bit better in the red zone. They're just four of seven. That was another thing we talked about going in. But you know, a, a win is a win. And on a on a lighter note. Uh, shout out Jarvis Brownlee for uh, letting us win that game. <laughs> two touchdown catch. You did say it. Now you're in the intro. You're in the intro of the pod last week, VZ, saying that if I was Norvell or doing the play calling, I would have a wide receiver targeted going straight after Jarvis Brownlee. And they, they had that happen. Twice. <laughs> yeah. Granted, I don't know why they're putting Brownlee on Johnny Wilson. I mean, that's what, an eight-inch height difference? Like, that's just asking for something Not bad Not fair for anybody. Yeah. And they went from it early on, you know, rewatching the game, very first drive, uh, whenever Jordan Travis rolled out and threw that ball um, on a full sprint, hit Johnny Wilson at the goal line with Jarvis Brownlee on him. So, I mean, from the get-go, that seemed to be part of the game plan. And at least Wilson was making the catches. You know, we talked about in the LSU game how he had those missed opportunities. He really turned around in this game, you know, tough catch on the goal line like you just said. And then that that corner fade on third down, Rodemaker threw it probably a little harder than he should have and more of a line drive that you normally see on a fade. That was an impressive catch, getting that foot in bounds over Brownlee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it also happened in the Duquesne game and that slant route that Johnny was in there for. The ball is right there, dropped it. Then you go to the LSU game, drop. But, you know, we just need that one thing to hopefully fix it and break that ice. seems like for a couple of players that is a much needed guys that haven't had a lot of experience in this system, but uh, you know, good to see Johnny going and, you know, I, I you know, it kind of put himself on the national spotlight there too, but you got to build consistency. So we'll see if he continues to do that, but he is like, we've talked about in the spring and in the fall camp, he's not just a threat in the red zone. He's a threat everywhere. And I think a lot of defensive coordinators are going to start figuring out that. Yeah, he he's si- he's got size, but he's also faster than you may think. So uh, a great throw there. And to from- that point about Wilson in the back end zone catch, we talked about why are they throwing, you know, corner fades to Micah Pittman in the LSU game. Here you saw it with Malik McLean and Johnny Wilson using that high tier advantage, especially against a shorter defensive back. Yep. It worked out to their advantage for sure. Shout, shout out to Dugans, man. The donk, baby. Hold up now. Hold up now. That. We'll see. He was having a good time at practice <laughs> we'll this see. week. And I mean, how can you not? <laughs> They, these practices have been a lot more happy for Coach Dugans, I will tell you, than the last couple. He's of already years. had two receivers go over 100 yards this year. I mean, man, yeah. good. I mean, I'm, I, I, I personally pull for Dugans. I think just from looking he's back, a, he's a former Noel and won a national championship at Florida State. How, how do you not pull for the guy? There's a, there's a lot of even other things that you know, family stuff. I, I feel for that guy. So I'm, I'm just happy that he's finding success in that unit. Is doing good. And the thing is. There still could be some guys coming back to add in some juice there. Um, some that we haven't talked about a lot that we haven't been able to talk that no one's seen on the field yet that might be hitting it sooner rather than later. We'll see. Um, just got to uh, go through a couple more practices and, and see what happens. But uh, speaking of practice, let's let's either jump into that or let's do Blake Nicholson. I think Blake Nicholson should come first after Florida State had a good night last night on the recruiting trail. Dilu, you were covering this recruitment all throughout the summer heavily, definitely whenever the Nicholson family made it onto campus and stayed for almost, it felt like a whole week. We got to see them coming to practices. Seemed like they were enjoying themselves. Um, you also had Derek Ray, Florida State's general manager, one of the newest additions that Magnerville added and off the field 
coaching or off the field staff hire that seemed to be a pretty good hire from from Norvell. Florida State lands four star linebacker Blake Nicholson on Tuesday night, the number eleven ranked linebacker in the twenty twenty three class per two four seven Sports. Florida State gets a West Coast Knoll now into the mix in that class. Delu. You felt like this one was coming for a little while now. I, I felt yeah. the optimism from you talking to you the last couple of weeks. How do you feel about this pickup and now, you know, just building outside of that in that 2023 class? As you said, been waiting on on this one for quite some time, you know, ever since late July, whenever Blake Nicholson and his family took an unofficial visit, a multi-day unofficial visit to Florida state on their own dime and, you know, coming out of that trip, it seemed like things were very positive for the Seminoles. Um, Oregon, they tried to make a late push hosted Nicholson over the weekend and their went over BYU for an unofficial visit to try and get back in the fold. But Florida state, they shut things down over the last 24 hours leading up to the announcement. And yeah, last night Nicholson and his family, you know, live announced that he will be, committing to Florida state. And, you know, this is a huge pickup moves Florida state back into the top 20. They're number 19. Now, according to two, four, seven sports, 15 commitments, 10 of those fall on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Nicholson, second linebacker in the class, along with three star DeMarco Ward. And I mean, really, you know, he's just a darn good linebacker prospect athletic can move from sideline to sideline has the prototypical build that you're looking for in a linebacker, in this uh, day and age. And then, you know, when I say athletic, this is a guy who's playing both ways at the high school level. He's a productive linebacker, but he might be an even better running back. You know, looking at his stats through four games as a senior, 54 rushes, 872 yards and 10 touchdowns along with four touchdowns through the air. So Blake is doing it all over there for Manteca high school and Manteca. That's a big reason Florida state is involved in this recruitment general manager, Derek Ray from the same area has been recruiting Nicholson for a while. I believe uh, his first power five offer was from Oregon state, which was where Derek Ray was at before he was hired by Florida state. So he's developed a great relationship with Nicholson and his family during those visits to Tallahassee constantly attached at the hip. And then from there, linebackers coach, Randy Shannon, head coach, Mike Norvell have done their job as well. And, you know, it says a lot for Florida state to, offer a kid from the West coast in May host him for an official visit. The very first time he's ever been to the state of Florida, the following month, you get him back a month after that. So he's only been to Florida two times in his life now. And he goes ahead and commits to the Seminoles over Oregon and UCLA who had both offered before FSU. So I think it just shows, you know, the relationship with Derek Ray was a big point, but as well as the rest of the staff and the ability to make him feel comfortable with the scheme and to go so far away from California, you know, shows a lot about what this program is, is building under Norvell. And this is a big recruiting win for the Seminoles. I think for Florida State, we talked about it all offseason guys. They were doing everything right. They're, they build these relationships really nicely and they do that they they, they get to that point to where these guys are in their top three even they come in second they came in second place a lot of these guys Florida State coming in second place quite a bit but all it took was getting some wins man if you get wins like this it's going to translate into commitments and I think one of these helped a ton with that and you also see the improvement I think too 
don't you think, dealing with seeing Randy Shane and what he's been able to do with these linebackers. I mean, if you look at Deloach and Tatum Bethune, how they start the season, also with DJ Lundy, you've seen the improvements there also. You see that, you add it on with wins, and you have the relationships there. That, that Those three things start adding up, and uh, kind of made a pretty easy decision, I think, for, for Blake to go. I mean, it had to be a lot of reasons in order to go from over there, you stay on the West Coast, or you're going to go all the way down here to Tallahassee on the other side of the country and come play. And you got to have a lot of trust there. And I think there's a lot of trust between Derek Ray, Florida State's general manager, like you talked about, Dustin Lewis, and with Norvell, and, and believing and trusting in that process and what they're trying to build here in Tallahassee. But uh, it wins, man. Wins. It's going to help you in a lot of ways. We'll talk about another target here in a minute. But wins. It, it yeah. gets to the point to where you just got to get, get some wins in the, in the record column, man. We, we talked about it all spring and all summer that Florida State or recruits wanted to see Florida State proven on the field because of Mike Norvell's first two off seasons, uh, 2020 and 2021, they did really well on the recruiting trail leading up to the season. I mean, you have to remember, you had Luke Altmaier committed. Then the season started. Florida State didn't do so well. It was COVID year, so you couldn't have visits. So he decided to stay home with the safer option. And Ole Miss uh, last year, you know, you had Trevion Williams, also from the state of Mississippi, Travis Hunter, you know, countless, a couple other guys as well who were committed before the season. You got off to the 0-4 start, got a little shaky, and they jumped off the ship. Well, this time you come out 3-0, and and, you know, the top targets, Blake Nicholson, Hakeem Williams, DJ Chester, some other guys in that 2023 class, that's exactly what they wanted to see from Florida State because the relationships are there. Florida State, as you said, Logan, they do a really good job when it comes to recruiting. And when they get these guys on campus, you know, a lot of recruits come out very impressed uh, with their experiences at Florida State. So it just takes success on the field as well. You know, the NIL stuff plays a factor now in this day and age. Hopefully they'll redo the law next year or however it works. So mm -hmm. that'll be more effective in the state of Florida, but Florida State's doing a good job right now. If they can keep putting wins together, um, it's going to pay off more in 2024 than 2023, but they're still in line for some really good players to finish this class out. Yep. You're not wrong. So another one, you know, wrapping up Blake Nicholson here, moving on to uh, even bigger, <laughs> bigger, big time name here that Florida state fans know very well. And just because of the relationship that they built here in Tallahassee, Hakeem Williams, five-star wide receiver in that 2023 class. Uh, you know, we, we've seen him a few times come onto campus also there, attend a few of the practices. Just looks like, you know, naturally, you know, comfortable around the staff right off the bat. You know, very close connections, wide range across that whole entire staff. But Florida State and, and the big then the mix here and that top two, in my opinion, but it's going to come down to Florida State, Texas A&M, Miami, Pittsburgh. The commitment's happening on Friday at 2 p.m., He'll be doing a live stream for that also, and we'll have full coverage all around that one too. It could be a big-time week for Florida State Seminoles on the recruiting trail. What, what are you hearing, D. Lou? What, what, are, what are the birds chirping out there whenever you wake up in the morning? What is the uh, cellular device telling you with a few things? Because I think Florida State has put themselves in a great spot most recently. If I am correct on this, was at the LSU game? Yep. Am I wrong on that? Okay, so he You're was correct. yeah. At, at the LSU game, got to see that win. Obviously, starting the season off three and zero, and I talked about this one for a while now. For Hakeem, win, 
And then they, and then they've done that now. They've done that now. You're still competing with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M over there, but you've done everything imaginable and the best that you can at your ability to put yourself. If you're advertising a hiking Williams saying, man, adding a playmaker to this offense, what could it do? It could be special. Yeah. If you would have asked me in uh, the spring or early summer about hiking Williams and us, I was telling people, I was like, I don't think there's any chance that I, that this works out. You know, Forest State's doing a good job, but I don't know that they're actually going to get his commitment. Well, something seemed to change this summer. Obviously, Hiking Williams, he came to, came by for a multi-day unofficial visit to Tallahassee. Got the chance got the chance to check out a couple preseason practices, hang out with the coaching staff, which Ron Dugans, Norvell are two of the guys leading the charge there, and they've both done. Um, an exceptional job. Hakeem and Dugans have a really good relationship. So somehow late in the summer, Florida State, the momentum started to go back towards the Seminoles. And that's kind of carried now into the season, at least from what I'm hearing on my side of things. As you said, went to LSU, watched Forest, or went to New Orleans, watched Florida State defeat LSU. Then he was on, um, I believe it was an official visit to maybe it was an unofficial either way a visit to Pittsburgh for their loss to Tennessee and then this last weekend in Texas A&M to watch the Aggies defeat Miami which from what I heard Texas A&M pushed really hard for Hakeem to commit before he left College Station there was a big meeting with Jimbo Fisher in his office and you know they were really trying to get that commitment to shut this down before this week but Hakeem did not relent Um, he's going to go ahead and commit on Friday. And at least from my understanding is he's not going to inform any coaching staff of his decision prior to announcing it live. So they're all going to have to tune into the live stream just like us to figure out where he's going. As you said, Logan, I do agree that it's between Florida state and Texas A&M right now. Those are the two schools with the most momentum. Um, Florida state feels really comfortable with where they sit at this point, especially with the relationships that they've developed and the time that they put into this recruitment. And then you look at the offense, they've showed those signs that Hakeem Williams wanted to see. They've won games. The receivers have produced. So FSU has done everything they possibly can to win out here. Uh, Me personally, I do have the Seminoles taking it on Friday, but even if Hakeem does commit to Florida state on Friday, this one isn't over. Alabama is still trying to get involved. Texas A&M is supposed to host him later in the season. Florida State will get him back for an official visit in November against UF. And he also, from what I was told, he also might be in Tallahassee on an official, unofficial visit for the game against Clemson. So, like I said, Florida State has done everything they possibly can to win out with Hakeem Williams. And I think they're going to on Friday. But it could very well change with the way NIL and Hmm. things are these days when it comes to these elite five-star prospects. But if Mike Norvell and the Seminoles do pull this off, I would say it's the most impressive commitment that he's gotten so far, especially if they can take it to early signing day and, and get that signature. Oh, yeah, and real I'm quick, about- true freshman linebacker, Omar Graham, we have to mention that yep. relationship as well because relationships play a, a big part in this recruitment for Williams and Florida State as one of his best friends, a former high school teammate, and Omar Graham Jr. right there on the roster and Every time that Hakeem is in Tallahassee, those two are hanging out and chatting it up. So that's another thing that plays in Florida State's favor going into Friday. 
Yep, and you, and you stay in state. I understand Miami's in there a little bit, but you know Florida State's way ahead of them in this recruitment. But you stay in state, and you're close with the family, and it's a little bit different than maybe traveling over the Texas A&M. But then again, when you see the money that probably Jimbo and those guys over there are willing to offer, it kind of you kind of start forgetting that thing. It gets a little foggy about how far away you're going to be from home. So you know, I, I think Florida State's in a good spot here. Dustin's always got the scoop there, as and has a really good scoop on this recruitment. So we'll keep you guys fully updated on that I, I just think you know Florida State's put themselves in a great spot the wins are on the table and they could use a nice playmaker on the outside Florida State has missed on two of them and it's you know one of them was kind of out of their hands with Destin Hill I thought that was going to be one of the next best playmakers of you know uh, Florida State is going to have a solid career you know you don't get Destin Hill and then you also don't get Travis Hunter you know two names that brutally it hits hard could, could you imagine you add those two onto what you've already had. I won't even bring it up. I won't even bring it up. But, um, you know, just two two tough losses. Hakeem could come in and save the day. And uh, you look at a bright future for what that wide receiver room could look like going into next season and what they could do still on the recruiting trail. There was a question here, too, about Jalen Brown. Just I, That's another recruitment that I don't think is fully over yet uh, on that end. He also got to see Florida State beat LSU over there in New Orleans. But there was a comment on here about – if Hakeem Williams ends up committing to Florida State, does this do anything for Jalen Brown's recruitment in FSU? Because I believe Brown was planning on doing another visit to FSU sometime this season. Or was I hearing different things? Yeah, I don't know the exact plan on that, but he was at FSU for an unofficial visit in late July. He was at, I believe he was at Texas A&M last weekend. So even though he's committed to LSU, he's still looking around a little bit and, it wouldn't surprise me at all with the relationship Florida State has there with not only Brown, but also his family as well for FSU to get an official visit at some point. But we'll just have to see how it uh, shakes out. You know, talent talent wants to play with talent. So if Florida State is able to get Hakeem into the fold, we'll just have to play it by ear and see how things work out. And, you know, if he's willing to be a big-time recruiter for Florida State, which I'm assuming he is when, you know, you look at the kids – personality but talent wants to play with talent so Florida State adds Hakeem Williams there's going to be a couple people that take notice of that for sure yep you're not wrong talent likes to play with talent and once you start bringing in these cats that are uh, that of those ratings and definitely if you know depends on the quarterback situation too and what the future of Jordan Travis will be I mean if he keeps playing like this there's some opportunities outside of college but um, you know, I, I would, I would, I'm still of the thinking that Jordan Travis needs to have another year. I understand that you could have a nice improvement here in the passing game, et cetera, et cetera. But I still think Jay Trav has another season here unless something goes wild. He's had a nice start to the season, but um, to take it to the league is a little bit different in my opinion. So we'll see, we'll see what ends up happening for Florida state, Mike Norvell and Ron Dugans on Friday. That'll happen at two o'clock. We'll have full, full on coverage for that one. So make sure you guys keep an eye out. We'll probably have a video and everything going on here on the YouTube channel across Facebook and everything. So make sure you keep your eyes out on that one. Make sure you clear your schedule on Friday afternoon after lunch for Hakeem Williams's commitment. Uh, let's jump into some practice notes before we jump into some quick little notes on the NFL Knowles after this past weekend. Uh, you know, one thing that I've noticed, and we talked about it at practice this week, D. Lou, the sense of urgency and the hard coaching 
has kind of hit a different tier almost like, and it's done this week by week, but primarily this week, you know, there's some coaches that are in, in, in the player's ears and it feels a lot like fall camp almost. And it's definitely been the rate, the bar has been raised and that's exactly what you would like to see from a team that is starting off three. No, they haven't, they've, none of these players have seen anything like this before, maybe in high school. Yeah. But not on the college level here in Tallahassee for them to start this, how, how do you keep that rolling? I think Mike Norvell has pressed it quite a bit onto this team that there's no slowing down here. You know, they're, they haven't played their best game yet, and it might take a little while before they do that. But once they start getting some things clicking, you know, this team ha- has a chance to be special, definitely in the ACC. What were your thoughts from practice this week and overall? Because, you know, Tate Rodemaker, after having that performance on Louisville, he's going to get a lot more reps this week with, hindering you know Jordan Travis is going to be available on Saturday night like you said I thought the energy was where you want it to be um, for the players but then you look at the coaches uh, Mike Norvell Alex Atkins Odell JP those are Dugans at times coach Fuller those are the guys that come to mind but I mean man the intensity was cranked up a notch this week the coaches were just getting after these guys and I think it just comes with, you know, this program hasn't gotten off to a 3-0 start in seven years. It hasn't gotten off to an undefeated start like this under Norvell yet since he's been in Tallahassee. You don't want to lose this. You want to bottle it up and take it as far as you can. So they're just pushing these players. They don't want them to relax. You know, we've seen the results of the last two years, and they want to change this thing as much as they can. And credit to the roster for responding. I thought it was two very intense physical practices the offense wants in plays the defense wants in plays it wasn't dominant one one-sided either way um yeah it was a pretty pretty good week for Florida State and like you said Tate Rodemaker very sharp uh you could tell that his confidence from Friday night carried into the practices but at the same time now you have Norvell and Coach Tokar is being a little tougher on him you know because he might play a bigger role on Saturday night than he has so far at FSU. So he made a couple mistakes, but he was able to respond and make some really good throws. Um, especially I thought yesterday he did a really good job, but today he was solid as well. Got to see Jordan Travis out there today. Also um, going through the motions and practicing and throwing who <laughs> looked very sharp too. I mean, Jordan Travis connecting very well, deep, a lot with Malik McLean, too. Uh, you also had Pittman in the mix, but I thought there was a lot of chemistry between uh, Malik McLean and also Johnny Wilson today. Those two put on a, a good show throughout the practice and the energy. Like like you said, Minervell talked about it today. He said Tuesday's practice was one of the most fastest, most explosive uh, you know, practices. They get numbers, so the guys are wearing – uh, this chest monitor type thing that is tracking how their speed is, the heart rate, all that kind of stuff. And he said Tuesday's practice was the fastest that they've had since uh, fall camp and going into game week preparations to start off the season, which I think is, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't, doesn't get talked about enough. But damn, you know, this team isn't slowing down right now. And I thought that was really impressive. But Jordan Travis, how about him, man? Getting practicing today, throwing and just looked like, Nothing happened on Friday night almost. He was excellent, man. I mean, I I was telling you during practice and after, I thought it was one of Jordan's best days of the entire season so far. You know, 
going through these game week practices dating back to the preseason. He was just really sharp today. Uh, whenever Jordan was in, there weren't very many balls that weren't in the right spots or very many that hit the ground. Uh, he was making a lot of plays. You know, you noted Malik McLean. There was one in one-on-ones where he just threw a dart and just hit hit Ontario Wilson in the back of the end zone. Ontario was able to drag a foot and fell into, like, the field goal net and got tangled up, and Norvell and Dugans ran over there celebrating and, like, we're pulling him out of the net. So I thought that was funny, but – yeah, Travis looked really good, and he I think his best throw of the day, he rolled out of the pocket and threw one right in a perfect spot over the shoulder to, uh, I believe it was Ontario Wilson again in the end zone. Oh, actually, Micah Pittman. Let me, let me reverse that. Perfect ball over the shoulder to Micah Pittman in the end zone while rolling out of the pocket. So very good, very good day for Jordan Travis. We'll see how things are leading up to uh, – Saturday night, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how the coaching staff goes with it. Because if Jordan is able to go, do you want to play him in this game where you're already heavily favored against a team who we'll talk about it, we'll go more into detail later on, but a team who hasn't done very good on on offense, they have an average defense, do you risk Travis or do you try and save him for Wake Forest next weekend? It's a tough predicament. Norvell said today, or was it yesterday, that if Travis can go, then – He's going to play in the game, but will that actually happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've got a pretty strong opinion on this. If Jordan Travis isn't 100%, if he, even if he's at 90%, you saw what you got out of Tate Rodemaker, and you know, you'll know you take that. He's able to go on the road and play, and, and we'll see if he can do that again if he does end up playing on Saturday night. But for me, I'd like to see it where if I'm a fan, I'd rather have let Jordan Travis get as much rest as he can because you've got a big time matchup in the ACC coming up next weekend, which is probably going to be a nighttime prime time potential ABC ESPN matchup. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, put Jordan Travis out there if you don't have to. I'd like to see Tate Rodemaker out there. And if things start going for some reason wildly backwards and you're putting yourself in a tough spot, then yeah, you can throw in Jordan Travis, but I don't want it to be where, or if I'm a fan, I wouldn't want to see, you know, JT's not fully 100%. You throw him out there something ends up happening and then you're not, you're not able to have Jordan Travis for multiple weeks or that injury just gets worse. And so that's not how, at least from a fan's point of view, I would want that to happen. And so I think Minervell, smart coach, uh, you know, we got to see JT practice today, but if he's not fully hundred percent, I don't see Norvell putting him out there. And uh, I, I think Norvell has been pleased from what he saw with Rodemaker at that on the Louisville game. And like we've said and reported this week, how Tate Rodemaker has composed of himself during practices. He's looked sharp, he's made plays and he's been able to go against the defense and come away with, with some plays on Tuesday and Wednesdays. So uh, I don't know. He played safe for Jordan Travis as much as possible. In my opinion, I think it's one of those that if Wake Forest or NC state or Clemson was this weekend, I think you would play Travis. But Boston College isn't as strong as a opponent as we'll get to here in a little bit. I think it's going to be one of those where Travis is available if he's needed. But you're going to try and win the game with Tate Rodemaker instead. Yeah. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. No re no reason to trot him out there and risk an injury that could be, you know, I don't even want to say it, but it, it could it could worsen. So uh, you want to you have him fully healthy, ready to go, which it seems like the rehab and from what happened on Friday night 
has gotten better and just to give him a whole another week would be great on that front. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. You know, me and you, we'll get out there early and grab those binoculars. That's right. We'll get the binoculars, man. I wish we could go down there on the field back in the good old days, but we're going to be up there. And we're going to get the binoculars out. So, um, but yeah, we'll uh, keep an eye on that quarterback room. Um, uh, I want to jump into some NFL knowledge here before we get into a quick little Boston College preview and score predictions. Uh, we didn't get to do it last week, but we're going to talk some week two NFL knowledge. Jalen Ramsey bounced back after a pretty rough game to start off the season in week one, but came away with a game ceiling interception on Sunday. It was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. You know, worth mentioning there. You know, I know Jalen was very hype after the game, and I, as he should be. That's uh, you're still facing NFL type talent, but it is Atlanta. I just got to point that out that they almost blew that game, but Jalen Ramsey saved the day for Los Angeles, and that got that game uh, winning interception. And then Brian Burns absolutely went off. I mean, he's kind of just going off of what he did last year for uh, Charlotte with the Charlotte Panthers. But wow. It was, uh, I mean, Charlotte Panthers, Carolina Panthers, my bad. I was like, I was like, why am I saying Charlotte? I'm thinking <laughs> like Charlotte Hornets for some reason. But yeah, the Panthers, two sacks came away with in that game. Ultra impressive from him. Uh, also had two tackles for losses, four quarterback hurries and four solo tackles. So Brian Burns going off. Jalen, J- Jameis, Jameis did not have a good weekend. N- not, not a good weekend. Kind of felt like the... Last year of Bucks, Jameis there with the three interceptions, one being a pick six to Mike Edwards, the Bucks secondary safety. You know, that for some reason, both teams, that was one of the most ugliest games to watch until the fight happened. Like it was not fun to cover whatsoever, but I don't know what happened with Jameis and things just got, like he said today in the presser, he got impatient. And sure enough, that's what he did back there with the Buccaneers. And hopefully that can be fixed and it will. I mean, it's just little things like that he's got to go in and fix. It was tough. You know, my fantasy football team name is Jameis Winston's ACL, and Jameis Winston is my starting quarterback, obviously. And he didn't have the best performance on Sunday, but credit to Cooper Cup for helping us pull out a victory. <laughs> and we got to talk about Derwin. I mean, body slamming Travis Kelsey. It's not yeah. easy, man, the suplex. Maybe hit impressive. of the year in uh, week two. <laughs> Yeah. We've seen it before. We have seen it before. He he did it. Who was he did it to who? Brissett? Yeah. NC State's quarterback. No yeah. flag this time though. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was a BS flag, anyways. But <laughs> that was that was a great play. It was funny hearing Travis Kelsey talk about it on his podcast today because he has that podcast with him and his brother Jason. It was uh, pretty funny because he's like, as soon as I got in the air, I started laughing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So just uh, a good play by him. He's probably never been picked up like that from a DB. Let's be honest. No. There ain't no way in hell anybody. Maybe no one. I mean, it's a no. big dude. We've known. I mean, whenever Derwin James came in, I think as a sophomore, the dude was benching like 405. Maybe as a freshman, he was benching 405. Like Derwin I think James it was freshman. Got, just, yeah, I think it was freshman year. Like freak athlete type of strength, man. Like that's Derwin James. Like we said, yeah. we've seen it happen with Jacoby Brissett. But for that to happen – against one of, if not the best tight end in the game right now on the NFL side of things, to pick up Travis Kelsey and plant him into the ground. And that ball, I wish it was a fumble, but that ball popped out. It was just like picture perfect. Just and didn't Asante boom. get it? I think Asante was the one that ended up with the ball too. I think so. And I think he also dropped an interception, man. 
Sante's Sante puts himself in the perfect spots for interceptions. He did that last year and uh, has having a good start to the season. Also, he did it two but, weeks ago. He had one yep. in the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Zant going off for the Rams. Uh, one thing I want to mention yeah, here, nice. hilarious, hilarious story. I read more on it tonight. I did not know this happened, but former Noel 2013 national champion, Bobby Hart over here, punching coaches. What in the world is going on here? Bobby Hart getting a little pop there. It was on we have a video. It was on Tuesday. He's suspended for a game. I don't think I'll, I'll try to look for a video when we, when we move on, but yeah, Bobby Hart suspended for one game. I was surprised to find out he was still in the league. Honestly, <laughs> he <laughs> he no around, idea. did he punch I his own coach? That. No, he, he punched a Titans coach. If I'm correct. Yeah. Punched a Titans coach. Uh, the league announced Hart's suspension in a memo that includes a letter from the NFL vice president. Uh, he sought, out an unnamed Titans player near the tunnel following Buffalo's 41 to seven win on Monday night. Hart then swung at the Titans player and instead struck an unnamed Titans coach in the head. <laughs> so there we go. Sounds about right. Bobby Hart's Bobby back, Hart. baby. <laughs> Goodness. Tell you, man. I think it was accidental type <laughs> thing. Maybe. I don't know. I don't well, know. The, the act of the punch wasn't accidental. Who it landed on was accidental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it was just a bad, it was just a bad That's, punch. So. <laughs> bad luck, man. Got to get back in the box. Why is Bobby Hart pursuing them after they won 41 to seven? Like, just go home. Who the knows? game was over in the, and he's a, in the first he's half. He's a backup. He played, what, maybe 10 snaps? Like, I think he might have started for that game. I don't, know. I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't feel like looking. I don't keep I... up with Bobby Hart's stats, I'll be honest, guys. Yeah. I did not do that. But you, good you for him who... being in the league. I mean, I got to give him props being in the league for yeah. this long. For a while. Yeah. You, you know whose stats I don't want to talk about right now? Dalvin Cooks. Because uh, the Vikings yeah. suck again. Let's go. Okay. Next. <laughs> After next? week one, they suck again. <laughs> who's next? <laughs> yeah, who's next? You only want to talk about that? Nope. As long as, all right, as long as we don't have to talk about my Steelers, and all right, that works out for me because I, I didn't even want to watch that on Sunday. Dude, you're lucky Terrific. that we had to cover the Bucks game, and I didn't know that the Steelers lost until like <laughs> not Monday. just lost, they <laughs> lost to the Patriots. Who the Patriots are bad this year? Let's just let's be real, they're bad this year. Oh no, yeah, we lost to a bad team. Yeah, two bad teams playing it just was ugly, very ugly. Can we go back to Jameis real quick and mention that he does have four fractures in his back? So yeah, that is worth mentioning. Who was it that reported it? Jay Glazer. I saw that tweet from Jay Glazer. I'm like, shouldn't he be paralyzed right now? <laughs> Take him to the <laughs> hospital. Like, why are you playing football? <laughs> yeah, how are you out there? What is going? And there was on? a couple of times where he scrambled, and I was just sitting there like, no, please no, 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 Slide, no, no, no. exactly. Don't take that hit, please. Don't do it. Not worth it. Today's not the day. Like, yeah, that's Devin a White. tough injury to play through. And I mean, that that's obviously... a play through. That's a that's a tough injury to live with. I mean, four. I'll be honest. I hurt my back coughing a couple weeks ago, and I was wondering around the house <laughs> for about a week. So I can't imagine if I had four back fractures. Yeah, I heard that at practice, VZ. He said my back is killing me. I said, Oh no, what'd you do while you were lifting? He said, No, I was coughing, and I heard it. It's it's only oh. funny because in high school I slipped a dick disc in my backside. I, I whoa, whoa, Listen, whoa, man, whoa, no, 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 Dustin, put the cam. No. Whoa, 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 what did you just say? <laughs> disc, disc, no, D I S C, disc. No, <laughs> I, 
no. No. You see preview. Yep. Put the put the camera on, please, Dustin. Let's uh disc. Let's move on from this. Disc. Let's move on. All potential sponsors out there. You did not hear what VZ just said slipped into him. All right. Let's uh, move on to this Boston College preview as quickly yes. as possible. Maybe we need to move on from NFL Knowles and not do this anymore. We're bringing up Bobby Hart's punching people. Ugh, Jameis has broken back playing. Like, what is happening? What is Dalvin bad Cook? Time. Bad time for a flub. Woo, that very bad, bad time. time to pronounce a word. Yeah, very bad. Very bad. Yes. All right, let's. Let's move on here. Let's move on here real quick and finish this off. Keys to victory for Florida State versus Boston College will be facing at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. We got a late night one in Doak Campbell. Almost a sold-out crowd. We'll see if Florida State fans end up doing it. I know the student section already sold out today. Should be a pretty packed stadium for what could be Tate Rodemaker's first start at quarterback. No. No, second. He played against uh, Jack's uh, – no, he started the Miami game. Come on, Logan, you can do it. Jackson. Or did he just play the Miami game? He just played. Jacksonville. Okay. Jack State. Jack State, yeah. There 2020. There we go. I mean, but like a, it's a good opponent. Well, it's Boston College. But anyways, Tay Rodemaker is going to be trotting out there. Probably trotting out there on the field. I don't know. Depends on what Mike Norvell wants to do. But uh, what, what are you thinking going into this game? I know a lot of us aren't too scared. I know, Dustin, you were already talking about Boston College like a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, about how horrid they were. And do you still feel the same? I kind of feel even better. Um, because when you look at Boston College's offense, normally you think of a team that has a really big offensive line, very strong up front, who can run the ball and be physical. Not this year. It's a little bit different for BC. They're replacing all five starters on the offensive line from 2021. Their best player – and uh, lost his name. Christian Mahogany was out for the season before it even began. And then they had two guys get banged up against Virginia Tech and starting left tackle Ozzy Trapilio and offensive lineman right starting right tackle uh, Kevin Klein, who is now out for the season. So they're dealing with some injuries up front. Um, Trapilio has done a little bit in practice this week, according to Jeff Halfley but they're unsure if he's going to play. And if he's unable to play, Boston College will be starting a redshirt freshman, former preferred walk-on at left tackle in Nick Thomas. So like we were saying earlier in the show, this is a chance for Florida State's front four and the linebackers to respond against a team that has really struggled to do anything on the ground. Boston College, first two games against Rutgers and Virginia Tech, they had 33 yards on the ground total. That is 16.5 yards a game. <laughs> Yeah, um, last last week, last week they had 111 yards on the ground against Maine, which brought their team average Ooh. up to a whopping 1.7 on the season. Not their the starting main. running back and and Pat Garwo. Pat Garwo, he's rushed 41 times in three games. He's averaging 1.9 yards a carry, and he had a 30 yard run last week to end the game. <laughs> so imagine where his average was at before that. Um, Boston College, 87 carries, 144 yards, three touchdowns, 1.7-yard average per carry on the season. Treshawn Ward and Trey Benson combined in three games, 67 carries, 492 yards, and three touchdowns. So when I say that Boston College is really bad on offense, 
I'm not kidding. And the the struggles on the offensive line have limited their passing attack as well. Jerkovich is completing less than 60% of his passes. Zay Flowers has made a couple plays, but he's averaging, I think, about 12 or 13 yards a reception. So you're not feeling really positive about the Eagles on offense coming into it, this it's, game. It's a pretty hapless offense. I honestly feel kind of bad for Zay Flowers because he's a really good player. Um, and now he's stuck in an offense where, against Virginia Tech, they had an offensive lineman with a pass grade of six, according to Pro Football Focus. Not 66. Who was that? Uh, it was the right guard. Um, I forget the name off the top of my head, but it was the right guard. That's Dwayne, just um, Dwayne Alec. Yeah. That's uh, that's honestly impressive to have a grade that bad. Um, to me, where this is going to come down to is going to be on Florida State's offense, you know, we talked about how Florida State found success last week running the football. That's the one thing Boston College was pretty good at these last couple of weeks is defending the run. Um, according to PFF, they had a run defense grade above 90 both games. You know, they're only allowing, I think, 140 yards per game or so around there. You know, if you can control the trenches a little bit, find some running lanes, this really shouldn't be a game, but you never know. Yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be a game going into the fourth quarter, in my opinion, maybe not even the third. But Florida State, you know, is going to have to have a battle there. And I think the biggest thing they're going to rely on is that running game. If they can get Trey Benson going along with Treshawn Ward. And I think what Benson, he's kind of had slower starts to games. And going back to the LSU game, Treshawn Ward was the running back that just was on fire there. He just knew what to do and was able to get north where Trey Benson go east to west. He's not easy to tackle, but eventually go north with it and then – maybe try to not allow them to tackle you. He's one of the best in the country with uh, defending those tackles. I think the run game in here is going to be big for FSU, and it's going to come down to run blocking for Florida State. If they can come down there and do that and with that interior offensive line, which you're, which you're bringing back that, that interior offensive line from last week, you feel, you feel good like you can find some success there on the ground. And it's going to be a little bit more – different of an offense if Tate Rodemaker is out there you know you're not going to have a guy with Jordan Travis where he also brings in that threat of the run game there as being a dual threat quarterback these this defense uh, Boston College preparing enough for Tate Rodemaker knows that hey you know they might give a chance to Rodemaker to stay in that pocket and look downfield what she did against Louisville that's something worth mentioning for the Boston College defensive side for that offense on Saturday night yeah, and along with the rushing attack, I think converting on third down both sides is going to be huge because when you look at Florida State, that's one thing they've done extremely well. In crucial situations against uh, LSU, they made some big third down conversions and same thing against Louisville. So right now you're sitting 15th in the country, 53.7% conversion percentage on third down for FSU. And you look over at the BC side um, on offense, only 33.3%. So – I think whichever team wins third down and the turnover battle as well, both these teams sit at a, a margin of zero. So Florida State, they've turned it over five times. They forced five turnovers. BC, they've turned it over four times. They forced four turnovers. And a game like this against, uh, you know, for BC against maybe they're a little bit overmatched coming to this game, turnovers are something that could flip the, flip the margin very quickly. So, Florida State, they're going to have to play a clean game. You know, we don't know who exactly is going to come out at quarterback just just yet. I mean, same thing with some of the guys on defense as well. But they're going to need to be sharp and ready to go. You can't overlook this opponent. Similar to last week, they're going to have to stay disciplined. You know, that's one thing you can't do against an inferior opponent is give them, you know, free penalty yards, 
and, and like Dustin mentioned, free turnovers. If you let them get good field position, whether it be, you know, missed field goals, fumbles, picks, whatever, that just gives them any kind of life that they don't need to have. And even as good as Boston, or as good, as okay as Boston College has been the last few years, Florida State still found a way to win the last three games against them. So hopefully they're not overlooking this opponent with, with the daunting stretch after this. Um, but we've said enough. This, this really should hopefully not be a game heading into the fourth quarter, but you never know. No, it shouldn't. Jeff Halfley, Boston College's head coach, talking about Jordan Travis, saying Travis is much improved. I think he's playing as well as any quarterback in the ACC right now. Rodemaker came in and looks like he has good size. On third down, he took the edge and looked pretty fast. So obviously, we got to prepare for him running as well. He has maybe the strongest arm that I've seen so far this year on tape, just watching him throw the ball and release it. So some praise there to Tate Rodemaker. Who knew in the week four here we'd have these opposing head coaches giving some love to Tate Rodemaker? 2022 is a wild ride right now, and it's a good one for FSU fans. Happy that the wins are on there, but man. Well, what's some crazy storylines going into week four for Florida State when Rodemaker's getting this praise? And it's definitely, well, uh, he's, he deserved it after that performance. That's what makes it fun to, to watch, to cover. You never know what's going to happen. You know, who would think that Florida State would be 3-0? and They beat LSU by one point, and they had a comeback, a, almost, oh, yeah, a touchdown comeback with their backup quarterback on the road. It's been a roller coaster of a season so far. There's been some trying times. There's been some positive times. But the most important thing is Florida State has stayed undefeated through it all, and hopefully they can do that again on Saturday night. I don't know how to say this guy's last name, and I feel like I'm just going to rip it all apart. But, the uh, yeah. Do you want to give it a shot? Boston College's defensive end. You want me to go? You want me to go ahead here and embarrass myself? Uh, he had a good quote here. Aziraku. Aziraku. I don't know. Boston College's defensive end. He talked about heading into Duke Campbell this upcoming weekend, getting to hear the war chant. Uh, he said, I definitely am looking forward to hearing that chant. I've been hearing it since I was a kid watching college football, so I'll definitely, definitely be using that to my advantage. Florida State, like I said earlier, is hoping to sell out uh, the stadium I uh, said, we know they're going to do, do the chant. We know how rowdy it gets down here. Junior linebacker, Cam Arnold said, our biggest thing is just to stay, uh, to quiet the noise and go down there and execute. So they're preparing. Once again, we've heard a couple of the other teams across the country talk about Doak. And uh, it's funny just to hear some of these players from opposing teams talk highly of, you know, war chant and, you know, the FSU fan base bringing in, because whenever you've got an undefeated team in Tallahassee like this, fans start coming out of, uh, out of the woods a little bit and they start coming in and, and I'm expecting a pretty pretty rowdy fun Saturday night definitely if you know you add on a little Hakeem Williams as a commitment there I think it should be a pretty fun weekend in Tallahassee for FSU fans and there will be some recruits in the stands as well and that's right uh, a good a good amount of them supposedly who needs to have a big game for FSU guys it can be a player or players who needs to have one or two specific players or just one who needs to have a big game on Saturday night to face Boston college Eagles. I'll take the cop out and I'll take the running back room. Um, Trayshawn Ward, Lawrence Tofili, Trey Benson. Um, find those running rooms 
or find those running lanes, you know, alleviate the pressure on Ted Rodemaker or if it's Jordan Travis who plays, give him a little bit of a breather. Um, if the running backs can average what they've been averaging, you know, six, seven yards a pop every run, then it's going to make this a much easier game for Florida State. And hopefully, you know, at 10, 30 or 11 o'clock, when we're doing our answer recap, we're just sitting back, having a good old time instead of stressing out like we have the last two games. For me, it's got to be Florida State's interior defensive line. Robert Cooper, Jared Jackson, Joshua Farmer. You know, you don't know yet if Malcolm Ray or Fabian Lovett will be available to go this weekend. We'll have to see how things are Saturday um, during pregame. But Louisville, we talked about it. Really good job uh, running the ball against FSU last weekend. They had 252 yards on the ground, and it just felt like they were getting the push they wanted up the middle all night. Um, as we mentioned, there were some defensive miscommunications and missed assignments and missed tackles um, there in the middle by those interior defensive linemen. So going against a uh, Boston College offensive line that doesn't have a ton of chemistry with one another, that's been beaten up, that's been beaten down by the three teams they've played so far, you know, Florida State that front four, they need to take advantage of it, bounce back, and get ready because it's going to get a lot tougher after Boston College. Uh, for me on Friday night, or Friday night, Saturday night, I'm going to go with Derek McLennan. I think with, you know, uncertainty of having Jared Verse out there on the opposite side, uh, the availability, we do not know yet, but just coming up, looking at the injury that we saw against Louisville, Last weekend, it just doesn't seem like he'll be available to play, in my opinion, on Saturday against the Eagles. I got to go Derek McClendon. He's a veteran guy. He's turned into a pretty vocal leader, if you guys have not seen some of the videos that Florida State have been producing, which have been absolutely incredible uh, this year. Shout out to the creative team at Florida State. But uh, I got to see a big game out of Derek McClendon. I do. And, you know, I think on the opposite side, you'll see Pat Payne jump in. And, you know, I'm not relying too much on him, not putting a whole ton on him. I, I'd like to see a good performance out of him, but I'm putting a lot on Derek McLennan to have a, he's got to have a big game because getting over to Djurkovic is going to be key. And Florida State was able to do that last year quite a bit and get to him with Jermaine Johnson and Kira Thomas popping him a few times. But going into this game right now, you're relying on one vet at defensive end. And you've got Leonard Warner there in the depth mix, but it comes down to DMAC, and I think he's got to have a big game on Saturday night in order for Florida State to get rid of the Eagles' offense. One thing to remember: Boston College starting quarterback Phil Jerkovic, six foot seven, around two hundred and forty pounds. And I remember last year up in Boston, whenever Florida State won twenty six to twenty three, there were multiple times, like you said, Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson were able to bring him down in the end. But there were a couple times where. Florida State got a Jerkovich. It looked like it was going to be a sack. And, I mean, the dude is just built like a truck. He's just a giant a giant dude and was able to get out a couple of those and gain some Big Ben-esque. Very Bang, big Ben-esque. Positive yardage uh, for Boston College. So, it's important this time, especially, you know, if you're missing one of your best pass rush, your best pass rusher in Jared Verse. It's very important for the defensive line to bring Jerkovich down on the first tackle. Don't let him break and do something stupid. And they've given up eight sacks already this year. You know, twelve. I, I, I think PFF had eight. Whatever. I got um, twelve on ESPN. Yeah, every website's different. It's, that's kind of. Why can't idiotic. we all 
on the um, same line here. Or, uh, but, but I think part of what I was going to lead into is you're not facing as good an offensive line as last year. So even when Jermaine Johnson and Kira Thomas were breaking through, you know, it, it was seldom. I think you're going to see a little bit more of it this this year. Hopefully it's just consistent pass rush and finally jerk, but it's just like, man, okay, I get it. Yeah. We're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick, though, if Florida State can get over there and – cause some havoc before we go into some score predictions make sure if you're on youtube right now hit the like button before we jump into these uh it goes out and helps get some more viewers from florida state fans we don't want any of these miami fans in here because they sometimes creep onto youtube because they have nothing else to do um after there are no touchdown of anything this past so weekend a home game to go to yeah that is true that is true but hit the like button if you're happy to not be a miami fan how about that how about we do that that'll make it pretty easy but appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening let's jump into some score predictions for four to six matchup you reminded me what did did i remind you of with the miami comments do you guys hear what tyler van dyke said this week that's what i was kind of jabbing at yeah (laughs) to play on the road because miami doesn't have a game day atmosphere That suck. That does suck. Um, I mean, he's he's saying what's been known for ten years. It's not a surprise I'm to anybody. Glad he's honest. I'm glad he's honest. That's for sure. Yeah, I'd have concerns uh, about it if he came out and said, "Yeah, man, we have a great atmosphere. You know, the fans show up every game. Out. Yeah, sold out every game. You know, you keep, there's not an empty seat in the place." I'd have uh, concerns if he said that, but he was, he was he was honest. Credit to him. Yeah, yeah, he sure was. Uh, let's drop some score predictions. Did I? I think I went first last week. It should be turned around now that they've had three games. Think, yeah, I think it's me, right? It might it might be you. Yeah, I think yeah it's me. you or me. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure think. it's me. What's your um, uh, record on the season? Two, two and one. Two, two and one. one, not bad. Um, I was pretty surprised to see the line open at, what was it, 16 and a half, 17 and a half? Um, it's a 17 and a half now, 16 and a half, I believe, when it started. Yeah, I, was, I feel like anybody, I was really surprised to see Florida State open as a three-score favorite over you know an ACC team um then you look at the stats and realize very quickly how bad uh Boston College is um it's tough if Jordan Travis was playing this game I think I honestly think we'd win by 2024 um Mm. with it possibly being Rodemaker I think it's gonna be a little bit closer I I still think Florida State wins by at least two touchdowns I'll say Florida State 31 Boston College 17 okay make sure everybody too in the chat like we do every week make sure you're dropping in your score prediction in the chat so then we can pull them up on the stream but d go right ahead that is close to my score austin a little too close um you know i'm a little really, really all of our scores have been close like mm-hmm. i'm sorry to yeah. interrupt but all of our scores are always close we're, we're keeping it nice and tight this year and we don't talk about it like we don't talk about we don't we don't podcast we never talk about the production meet or anything. These are all organic. This is all organic. Trust me. We don't go into a lot of production before it anyways, but this is all organic. I feel like Boston College is coming into this one a little overmatched. Uh, the Eagles aren't up to the aren't up to par of what they've been the last couple of years while Halfley is trying to get that program turned around and the offensive line injuries have just decimated what they want to do up front. So as I've said multiple times, this is a chance for Florida State to respond on defense as well as to advance to 4-0, and um, gain a top 25 ranking, and gain a little bit more momentum before you play a darn good Wake Forest team uh, next weekend. But, you know, the injury is a little uncertain. We have some guys that are going to be available 
for Florida State on Saturday. I think that could cause um, some issues at some points of the game. So I think this one turns out to be a little bit uglier than people anticipated, but I'm going to go Florida State 28, Boston College 17. Okay, I like that. I'm right there with you, Dula. I think it's going to be a little choppy. I don't think it's going to be the prettiest thing ever, but I also don't think Florida State is going to be in a situation where in the fourth quarter where it's going to be like how it was in Louisville, like where it's close. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think there's going to be some mistakes here and there just because, like you said, there's going to be some guys that haven't played or at least started and don't have a whole lot of experience. Experience They're going to have to be relied on a lot more with snaps and PT this upcoming Saturday night. So I think it might be a little bit more choppy and, and uglier, but Florida State's going to take care of business. Florida State's going to win this game 34-17 to 17, in my opinion. So we're all kind of in that same range there. It seems like the chat is too. Uh, I, I just got to see one thing from Adam Fuller, man. That defense has got to play better. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. Like you, you would think if Virginia Tech can hold them to ten points, Florida State should be able to do something similar. But we got to see it. Mm-hmm. At some point yeah. with all this talent, you just got to go perform. Yeah, you do. Luckily, you won't have to spy Malik Cunningham. You want to have a linebacker going around. East and West having to keep an eye on him, um, you know, from what the start of the season, you know, Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune have been uh, really nice in that linebacker unit. And you can utilize them to your advantage there in the run game and stopping BC. Um, and then if you can get your DNs working, you take care of the offense. And that's all you need to do. And we've, we've seen the success of Florida State. Mike Norvell as a full on play caller now for Florida State, what he can do dialing up some things. And these first drives that Florida State and Mike Norvell have put together have been Really impressive. So, uh, shout out to Coach Norvell with the play, Colin. And, and real quick, I've seen I've seen quite a few comments about you know Boston College always keeps it close. The last three games between these two schools have been close. You know, twenty six, twenty three last year, thirty eight, thirty one the year before, twenty two, twenty the year before that. Once you get past that, Boston College smoked us thirty five three in the Jimbo year. And it was forty five seven, fourteen nothing. You had that weird field field goal in the rain game at home, twenty to seventeen. 48-34 the national championship year, 51-7, 38-7. I, I get what the last couple of years have been, but it's not always like this. I promise you. Mm-mm. No. I, I, I'm, I'm expecting a fun fun crowd, a fun doke. The weather has been fantastic the last two weeks, and it's going to look even more beautiful, too, on Saturday night when Florida State takes the field to potentially go 4-0 to start the season before heading into October, which, like I said earlier in the show, not a lot of us at all were expecting this to be the case but a really nice start for florida state also on the recruiting trail landing four-star linebacker blake nicholson five-star wide receiver major florida state target we talk playmakers all day long you know Hikey williams commits on friday at 2 p.m we'll have full coverage on that between florida state texas a&m miami pittsburgh who does it end up being we'll find out on friday as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, before you leave, before you leave, we definitely appreciate it if you hit that like button. We're almost at 100 likes, so if you could help us do that, we would definitely appreciate it. We'll have an instant reaction podcast, most likely from inside of Doak Campbell Stadium right after the game for a little 15-minute quick thoughts on our reaction from FSU's game against the Eagles. So keep an eye out for that late on Saturday night. And yeah, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Everybody have a great weekend. Safe travels to Tallahassee. If you're making the trip and enjoy Doe Campbell stadium. See you guys. And we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday night at 8 PM. Eastern. It was disc disc.
Yeah.